So welcome to week four of our series called Multiply. And I just want to start connecting the dots of what we've been talking about this whole time. And I'm sure you're wondering, why in the world am I standing in front of this piece of equipment right here? And what is this thing in the first place? Now, if you've got an idea of what it is, or maybe you've seen one of these before, go ahead and comment or um, click in that comment section. Let us know what you think it is. I'm going to reveal to you in just a second what it really is. It's about 110 years old, maybe somewhere in there. It is by Deering, and what this thing is, you can see this is where the seat was. It doesn't look too comfy. Here's some of the hand controllers that work the gears. This is an antique horse-drawn sickle bar mower. This thing mowed hay back about 100, 110 years ago. And so that was its purpose. Now, it's interestingly enough, here's this thing that was intended to mow hay is now, um, instead of mowing grass, it sits on top of my grass as a lawn ornament. In fact, not only does it not mow grass, it gets in the way of my lawnmower today as we try to mow around it. Now, that's a whole other sermon illustration, something that was originally purposed to mow grass in ancient time, now gets in the way of mowing grass for me today. That would be a need to preach about someday. Maybe I'll do it. But here's the deal that I want to get across. Purpose is powerful. Purpose is powerful. Why something is made is powerful. Now we're talking about that in relationship to why has God called us? Why did God call disciples? And some people think, well, God called them because he wants them to go to, he wants them to, go to heaven. Why did God call people? Well, I'm going to tell you, God calls disciples, and we've discovered two of those main things. We're going to discover the third today. He has a specific purpose. Now, Mark Twain has a special quote that I just love. He says, the two most important days in someone's life are the day someone is born and the day they find out why. That's purpose. Purpose is powerful. For the new believer, for the disciple, for the person that Jesus calls, they have a purpose. And we found out Jesus calls ordinary people, just like you and just like me. He calls ordinary people and he calls them to follow him. He wants them to follow him. It's a head thing. He wants them to understand that he's the leader. He calls the shots, abandon your old life and embrace the reality that he died for your sin on the cross. Embrace him as your forgiver and as your leader and let him lead your life. Follow him. And then last week we talked about it. Not only do, do disciples follow Christ, they're changed by Christ. Let him change your heart. That's a heart thing. There's a head thing and a heart thing. Let him change your heart. He wants to transform people's lives. He wants to grow us to be more like him. And he's thankfully in that business of changing people's lives from what they were. So Jesus calls us and the purpose of why he's calling us is to follow him, a head thing. To be changed by him, a heart thing. And now today we're gonna to be talking about the, the third purpose of a disciple or a follower of Christ. And it's found in the special verses that we've been talking about all along. 
in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to give you, I'm going to land right on that verse 19, and it's a famous quote by Jesus Christ as he talks to Peter, and he commissions him, and he calls him. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the third purpose of a disciple. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the first purpose of a disciple, follow me, it's their head. The next one is be changed by Christ, it's their heart. The third one is to be committed to the mission of Christ, and it's their hands. To be committed to the mission of Christ, it's their hands. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I don't want to make it too complicated, but I want to give you three phrases that really will be simple, but they're significant and they're powerful to be thinking about what it means to be someone who's a fisher of men. So let's go inside and talk about it for a couple moments. And then I want to end up where we started this whole series in the first place, right by the water. Let's go inside and talk about what it means to be a fisher of men. So there are three elements to every disciple of Jesus Christ. Number one, a disciple follows Christ. He is changed by Christ and is committed to the mission of Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. They're committed to the mission of Christ. They follow Christ. They're changed by Christ. They're committed to the mission of Christ. And so this is what is understood when we talk about, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When I, when I mention that, I will make you fishers of men, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And oftentimes when I mention that, you know, really, fear. People get afraid when we talk about going out or intentionally being a fisher of men or reaching out to other people. When we think about, you know, speaking to other people or public speaking or when we think about forced conversations or forced relationships, those things evoke fear in people's minds. Now, I want you to know, you are looking at, right now, you're looking at Mr. Fear. And, and you may think that that's, a, that's crazy, that's absolutely crazy, but I, I want you to know, I have so many different fears that I end up dealing with. One of them, this goes 26 years ago, when I was uh, wanting to ask my wife out on a date for the first time, I remember grabbing that phone and dialing her number, and right before I get to the last digit, I would hang up, and I prob it probably took me 20 minutes until I finally hit that last digit, and I called through and got to her and talked to her and set up our first date, and all of it was just complete crazy fear. I want you to know probably the biggest fear of my life, and you're gonna think, I'm just blowing smoke at you, but the biggest fear of my life is public speaking. Public speaking. And if you don't believe me, there's a guy on the other side of this camera right here that can tell you how nervous I get. Public speaking has always terrified me. And I went to this little tiny Christian school. I was in a ridiculously small class of four students. Now, of all things, I was valedictorian. But what they did every week, every student would have to give up and get up and give an oral report or a book report, but they would have to stand up in front of the class 
and speak in public. And I'm telling you, it terrified me. But week after week after week, I would have to do that. And I remember when I was in senior high, my parents made me talk in public. They made me do a, um, a competition, a public speaking competition, and then even a preaching competition. And it was one of the most terrifying events and even more terrifying for me. I still get nervous in public speaking when I speak up in front of church, but even more terrifying than public speaking in front of church is talking to a camera, talking to video like I am right now. And, and Isaac on the other side of the camera knows how often I end up getting nervous and how we have to shut down and start up and, and I just get nervous. And, and I just, so I'll confess to you right now, I'm just gonna confess that one of the things I've done every week since I've started, and, and Isaac could be my witness, I've done this every week, nine weeks in a row here as um, video for your church at home, I've worn slippers every week for video church. And, and don't laugh at me. Don't laugh, because 75% of you are home wearing pajamas right now, okay? So, but that's one thing I have done, is I've worn slippers all the way through for nine weeks in a row. But you know, fear is something that grips us all. And when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, I just want us to grab a hold of the reality. When we talked about how purpose is powerful, the intention from the very beginning with Jesus Christ for disciples, the intention from the beginning was that all of us would be involved in making other people disciples of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to overcomplicate this. I don't want this to be you know, rocket science. So I just want to give us three phrases that will help us think through God's design for every disciple. Three phrases that'll help us think through God's design for every disciple when it comes to making fishers of men and being fishers of men. So here's phrase number one from this text. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Phrase number one, you are God's tool to reach your world. You. You're God's tool to reach your world, and I'm God's tool to reach my world. It's interesting because Jesus reached out to Peter and Andrew, and he reached out to people. And, 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 and the intention right here from the very beginning is that there is a there is a personal responsibility. God has always connected with people. You know, sometimes people end up thinking, man, I wonder what God would do to reach people in my neighborhood, or I wonder what God would do to reach people in my workplace, or what would God do to, to reach people around my region? And I'm telling you, if you wonder, who would God bring to impact your neighbor? Who would God bring to impact your coworker? Who would God bring to impact your relatives? Who would God bring to impact your friends? And I'm here to tell you, I know exactly who God can bring to impact your neighbor, your coworker, your relatives, your friends. And I think you know who it is too. It's you. God has called you. You are God's tool to reach your world. The very best and the first tool that God chose in this whole selection process, he chose people. Acts 1.8 is a tremendous verse as he starts out his church. Jesus says, 
you will be my witnesses. You will. And he mentions in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world, you will be my witnesses. And then, and then we could go through so many other verses, like even in the Great Commission where he mentions, you know, as you are going, make disciples or let your light shine or you live such good lives among the pagans. But, but the reality is you are God's tool to reach your world. When Jesus went out, his initial call was to people. His initial program to reach the world was people. You are, and I am, we are God's program to reach our world. Here's the second phrase I want to give you. I want us to really digest this and think about it. Not only are we God's tool to reach our world, interact with this phrase. Think about this for a moment. Your life is God's everyday outreach event. Think about the significance of that. Your life is God's everyday outreach event. Now, if you ever checked my email inbox, I get hundreds and hundreds of emails of all different kinds of programs and events. It's flooded with concerts and shows and dramas and on and on and on, different ideas that you can do for different outreach events as a church. And our church personally has hosted a number of different kinds of outreach events, community events and plays and musicals and different things like that. But I want, I want you to think about this. We hold an outreach event every day in our community. Think about this, wrap your mind around this. We hold an outreach event every day in our community. In fact, we hold 550 outreach events every day in our community. And you know what they're called? Your life. Your life is an outreach event. Your life is God's everyday outreach event. And we hold as a church 550 of those every day in our community. Your changed life is the most attractive outreach event ever invented. You don't believe me? I've got verses that back me up. Your changed life is a greater outreach. It is more attractive than an iPad giveaway, more enduring than a concert, more memorable than a play. It lasts longer than a dinner. God intended your changed life to be the wow factor that would impact people's lives. Francis Schaeffer calls it the ultimate apologetic to our world, your changed life. Think about these verses. The Bible mentions you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now think about this. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your changed life is the most attractive outreach event ever invented. Your life, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's the wow factor. 
In 1 Peter 2, 12, Peter mentions, live good such lives or live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your father on the day he visits us. You know the wow factor there. The wow factor, even though at first they're going to be turned off and, and be against your good deeds, eventually they're going to say, you know what? There's something to it, and it says they will glorify your Father on the day he visits us because they see your changed life. One of my favorites is John 13, 35, and it says, By this everyone will know that you're my followers, by your love for one another. I just want us to think about this. God's everyday outreach event. God's everyday outreach event is your life. It's a huge wow factor. And how do I know it is? Because also the opposite is true. There's no event that we could host that would ever undo the harm that is done by someone's bad life and someone's bad testimony. I'm going to tell you a story a number of years ago, I walked into a tractor supply and I struck up a conversation with an individual that was, that was over there. And as we got talking, um, I, I mentioned that I was, I was in ministry and he asked what church and I mentioned what church and, and, um, and there was some interest and he said, well, hold on for a second. And then he says, does, and then he mentioned this person's name, do they attend your church? And I said, yes. And then he went on and he mentioned a number of ways that that person had harmed him personally. And I thought, you know what? What can I do that's going to overcome that person's harm and hypocrisy? And all I could do is I told him, I said, you know what, man, I'm sorry. And all that tells me is that person there from my church that has harmed you, guess where they need to be? They need to be in church. They need some help. I, I'm glad that they're in my church. I'm glad we've got the chance to minister to them. Don't let that hurt your thoughts about who God is. But I'm telling you, the wow factor is a changed life. Your life is God's everyday outreach event. So that, those are the two things I want us to think about there's a third thought I want you to have, but I want to go back to where we all started. I want to go back by the water. I want us to think about this over by East Bay, you know, our makeshift Sea of Galilee. Let's think about that third thought together. Let's go on over there. So right now you are looking at East Bay. Now, obviously East Bay holds a special place in all of our hearts because we're called East Bay Calvary Church. And we were planning on taping over there, but I will tell you that right now, East Bay looks a whole lot nicer than what it feels. It is snowing out today, so we're not going to be taping there. Maybe we can go back there next week and tape, and who knows, maybe if the bay is frozen over, we'll actually go out on the bay and tape. You just never know in northern Michigan. You know, there's some hazards that we have in taping in Northern Michigan um, that people in other places just don't have. 
especially when it comes to outdoor taping. And something else with taping. Maybe you notice that I'm in a different outfit right now. I just want to be open and genuine with you that we really try to do our best and uh, we don't always get it right. Um, but we're just trying and we're trying to really be sincere in our ministry with you. And, um, you know, there was a part of our taping that we did that didn't turn out as well as what we wanted to. And so um, I came in with Isaac on an extra day to to tape and, uh, and hence I'm wearing a different shirt and probably some of you picked up on it. Some of you may still be on your third cup of coffee, so maybe you didn't pick up on it. But, um, you know, just to let you know, we're not professionals here. Um, we're just ordinary people, you know, in everyday life or real life disciple making, trying to do this thing together with you. So, um, so that's what all of this is really about. And that third phrase I wanted to get to with you today is all around that what we know as East Bay, we just use that as a symbol for the Sea of Galilee. There Jesus was walking over to the Sea of Galilee and he came by Peter and Andrew as we've already read in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through 19. And we know the Sea of Galilee, I talked about it four weeks ago, the Sea of Galilee is not really a saltwater body of water, it is a freshwater lake actually it's called Lake Tiberias currently, or Lake Kinneret. Kinneret is a Hebrew word meaning harp or lyre. And if you remember, uh, if you saw our taping from four weeks ago, the reason why they call it Lake Kinneret or harp or lyre is because from above, it actually is kind of shaped like a harp or the former stringed instrument, the old stringed instrument, the lyre but maybe upside down. So that's why they look at it that way. It kind of reminds them of that instrument. So Jesus walked up to Peter and Andrew, and in talking to them, you just wonder, what was Jesus' mission? What was his ideal? And we've already talked about it. You know, in being fishers of men, that was his intention. And in being fishers of men, we found out, you know, you are God's tool. He connected with people. People are God's first program for reaching their world. And then the reality was he, he wanted them to understand, and, and the reality is true for us as well, God's everyday outreach event is your life. That's God's everyday outreach event. Everything we do in everyday life is God's everyday outreach event. And that's exactly what they did at that point in being fishers of men. But here's the third phrase that I wanted to point out to us here this morning in our talk today, is that God has placed you where you are on purpose. God's placed you where you are on purpose. And that is exactly what happened for Peter and for Andrew. They were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus went over to them and connected with them. We talked about this four weeks ago, but nearly 80% of their ministry from there forward with Jesus was around the area of the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know if you've looked at this over, we talked about it a number of weeks ago, but Jesus, when he walked on the water and Peter came out of the boat to walk on the water, that was on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus also raised from the dead Jairus' daughter, that was in the area around the Sea of Galilee. The feeding of the 5,000 around the Sea of Galilee. There was a feeding of the 4,000. It was right around the Sea of Galilee. 
Jesus cast out demons out of two individuals that they called maniacs. Sea of Galilee area. And then those demons went into pigs, a herd of pigs. The pigs ran out, jumped into the water and drowned. And guess what? That was the Sea of Galilee. And so Peter's ministry, Jesus called him to be fishers of men. And most all of his ministry was right around that familiar area of the Sea of Galilee. And I just want to demystify being a fisher of men. I want it to be real for you and for me as we think through this here today. You know, some are called to the foreign world. But think about it. All are called to the familiar world. Some are called to the foreign world. All are called to the familiar world. And I just want this to grab our hearts here today. Maybe your occupation is really your opportunity. Maybe your neighborhood is really your mission field. Maybe your store clerk could be your friend. Maybe your loved one is really the one that God wants you to invest in for his kingdom. What if we really loved our neighbor as ourselves? What difference would that make? What if we saw ourselves as God's tool to reach our world and our mission field became Traverse City or Kalkaska or Williamsburg or Kingsley or just any other area around here, Buckley or wherever you are from? What if that area was your mission field. What if you walked out of your house today and looked down your road and you just had that sense in your heart that these homes and these people that God has placed me around, God has placed me here on purpose. There is no accident that this neighbor is by me. There's no accident that I go to that store and I connect with that person on a regular basis. There's no accident that I work with that individual. These things are not accident, but God has placed us with people on purpose. And God did that with Peter. Jesus went to him at the Sea of Galilee, and he didn't yank him and take him somewhere else. Most of his ministry was right there in the familiar. And he became a fisher of men right where he was. And I believe Jesus has called us to the same exact thing. So how do we do it? How do we start being fishers of men? So let's make this practical. I want to give you something that I talked to our church about two years ago. And I really believe these are three easy steps in starting to be a fisher of men. And we call it Pi Square. It's P-I-I. And they all represent something. Here's, here's what it stands for. The P stands for pray. So I want you to think about taking three names, people that you have some connection with. And maybe it is the store clerk. Maybe it is your neighbor. Maybe it is a friend, maybe it is a loved one, maybe it is a coworker, whoever it is. And I want you to think about praying for those three people every day, not just praying God somehow reach them, but here's your prayer. God, use me, use my everyday life as your outreach event to reach those people. Make me a fisher of men. Start praying specifically, God, use me. So pray for three people for opportunities. And then here's the second one. Pray, invest, and so invest your life in them. Start taking time with them. Talk to them. Build relationship with them. 
connect with them with notes or with a phone call or with a meme or whatever it may be, but connect with them with relationship. And, and the day is gone where you could just show up and really not know someone and throw out to them what they need to do. Because nowadays, the truth is relationship earns you the right to talk into someone's life. And that's exactly where we need to be. We need to build this relationship with people, and that comes through investment. Invest your life into people. And so you pray for them, pray for those opportunities, you invest your life into them and build relationship. Let them see this everyday evangelistic event called your life. Let them see your works. Let them see that you really follow Jesus, that you're trustworthy. And then the more you invest, then it comes to number three, invite. Pray, invest, invite. And you invite them. What do you invite them to? I'm going to tell you. You invite them to a number of different things. You may sense that the first invite may be to have a watch party for these Sunday morning services. Watch with me. And you set up a watch party on Facebook and you send an invitation. Hey, watch this thing with me and you comment with them. You may invite them to read something with you. When this whole thing is, is come to a point where you can have people to your home, that may be the first thing. Come to my home, neighbor. Let's have a little celebration party that we actually can get out and be together. That might be your thing. Invite them into your home. Invite them to Jesus. Whatever you need to do, invite them to the next step closer to connecting their life with Jesus Christ. But ultimately, there is an intention that you want them to become a follower of Jesus, just like you have become as well. That's a fisher of men. I'm moving them in the direction to become a follower of Jesus. This is what God has called us to. It's what God's called you to. It's what God has called me to. Ordinary people in everyday life for real life disciple making. That's all of us folks. And the reason why we're talking about this, you know, we don't have a big program now. We don't have a big event. We can't say, hey, bring all of your friends to this big thing that we're doing. So you know what our event is? It's the same event that Jesus had. It's you. Our event is people. Our event is your life. Our, our location for that event is where God has placed you. That's our event, and I believe it's the most strategic event that God has ever created for discipleship and disciple-making to happen. It's your life with your people in your area living the life of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road. And we do it, we start by praying, investing, and inviting. That's where this thing happens. Hey, let's draw the net on this thing. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to do this together? Well, I want you to realize, number one, that true disciples of Christ, they don't pick and choose what they're going to do. If he really leads, we follow. So a true disciple of Christ, they follow him. They're changed by him. And they're committed to his mission. So they follow him. That's in their head. They understand who he is. They understand that he died on the cross for them. They leave their old life behind and they... They pursue him, so they follow him. They're changed by him in their heart. They let him transform their life from the inside. 
And then they're committed to his mission. That's their hands. They do things. They make it happen. So a true committed follower of Christ is all of that. Not picking and choosing, not one or the other, or two out of three isn't bad. It's all three. That's who a devoted follower of Jesus Christ is. And true disciples, they do all of that. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about making a huge decision and commitment today. This isn't just entertainment. It's not just watching on TV or on your screen today. Today is decision time, folks. And I want you to truly grasp and embrace all of what it means to be a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, I'm not convinced. I really don't know what's up with Jesus or where I should go. And I want to encourage you, your starting point is at the cross to understand that you realize Jesus died on the cross for your sin. We understand that we're sinners and that we need to leave our old life behind and repent of that stuff and say, God, I need to be forgiven. That's why Jesus died for me. And you leave that behind and you become a new creation in Jesus Christ. You give your life to him. Let him be your forgiver and your leader. For those who are wondering where they're at with Jesus, that is your first step. And what I love, if that is your first step and if you're really moving in that direction, you believe God's tugging at your heart right now, you go to that comment card that is there on, on the chat section or right there on Facebook, there's a link to that comment card. Would you get on that thing and say, you know what, I'm starting my life with Jesus today and we wanna connect with you so bad. So connect with us, let us know, I'm starting my life with Jesus today. And then here's the second thing, and this is, this is for all people who say, you know what, I've started that life with Jesus. Here's what I want from you. Get your phone, get your iPad, get your computer. We're gonna chat and comment right now because let's get serious about this. Let's be all in on this. No, no, I'm just here to learn or I'm just here to understand. You know, I'll watch on Sunday that I'm gonna do my own thing. That's not what Jesus has called us to. Jesus has called to follow him, be changed by him and be committed to his mission. And here's, here's how that passage plays out because you know what Peter did? Peter got up, Jesus said, follow me. And the text goes on and he got up, he left everything Peter did and he followed after Jesus. And that's what I'm gonna ask you and me. Let's leave it all behind. Let's follow Jesus with all of it. Let's be all in, and I'm gonna ask you right now, all of us following Jesus, go to that chat, go to that comment and say, I'm all in. Let's put it right out there for everyone to see. I'm all in, and all means, you know what? I'm all of it. I wanna follow him, I wanna be changed by him, I wanna be committed to his mission. I'm all there, that's me, I'm doing it. I'm gonna comment. I'm all in. I don't want to be a half-hearted or two-thirds. I want to be all in on being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Leave it all behind. God, I'm all yours. Would you go ahead, comment right now. Let's let this thing scroll. Everyone put it in there right now. I'm all in. Sign up for this thing the way that Jesus Christ intended. 
I'm all in to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in exactly the way he intended. I'm all in to follow, be changed, and be a part of his mission. So as you do that, keep those things coming. I'm all in. I want you to think about this, and then we're going to finish up. Tomorrow starts our last week of Bible reading. So make sure you watch that on Facebook, and you'll see it on Instagram. You'll also see it on our website. Excellent Bible reading passages this entire week on being fishers of men. Would you connect with those every day? We'll help you. We'll remind you. But you've got to do it. Let's be in God's word and connect with him to understand this importance of fishing for others to follow after Jesus as well. And then let's truly be all in, not just in word, but in life. Let's make this thing happen and find ways to work this pie square, praying, investing, inviting. Talk to your small group about it. Get people to make sure you're still doing this. I, I, I hope that your small group has some excellent discussion as you work through this together. And then here's the last thing. Let's remember, you don't need to be a professional. Just like we had to retape and I changed my shirt. You know, you don't have to be a professional because God calls ordinary people in everyday life for real life disciple making. And I really believe he's positioned us to do it here. There's no host at the end of my message. I just want to finish this out with prayer. And I'm going to give you one last word, so let's pray together. So Father, for my friends that are watching today, your grace, your love, your blessing, your strength, your courage, by your spirit to be in their lives. God, you deserve 100%. You've asked for it. And may we give it to you our head, our heart, our hands. God, may we follow, may we be changed by you genuinely, and may we be committed to your mission in every way. God, I pray that you would use our church. May we not be hamstrung in any way by this virus or by the restrictions, but may your word and your mission advance even despite all of it. May your kingdom go forth, your fame spread, your glory be known both now and forevermore. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we've said week after week after week, I leave you with today. Blessings on you. I love you. And remember, let's be the church.